The Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, presented by our good friends from Hy-V and Toyson Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. Appreciate you tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. If you are a regular, we'll appreciate you coming back. A couple of uh, housekeeping notes. Don't forget to be a friend, tell a friend, follow, and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast. Give it a good rating and review, but also tell your friends and family and kids and grandparents to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast and give it a five-star review, five-star rating, and a positive review, I should have said so. Just a couple of housekeeping notes there. On this episode, we're going to kind of kick off training camp season for the Green and Gold, taking a look at uh, the different positions and kind of previewing each position for the Packers as they get set to start training camp here in just about a week and a half from this recording of this podcast. But we lead things off talking some baseball and the Milwaukee Brewers. Fantastic weekend for the Brew Crew. Picking up the sweep over the Cincinnati Reds. Back in first place in the division by two games. Ten games over five hundred. Burnsy looks like Burnsy. 13 Ks. Freddie Peralta, perhaps one of his best starter, one of his best starts so far this season. The bullpen was on fire this weekend, not allowing a single run. Yelich picking back up where he left off right before the All-Star break. Couple of home runs in this series against the Reds. Yelich is He's kind of had the Reds number throughout uh, his career. But four hits, two home runs for Yelich. Back to that bullpen here quickly. They pitched nine in the third innings and only gave up one hit, two walks, 13 strikeouts, and zero earned runs. All that leading to uh, 10 games over 500 right now, 52 total wins for the Brewers, as we mentioned, now up two over the Cincinnati Reds in the division. Brewers have the off day today before... Another quick road trip, this time against the Philadelphia Phillies, and then they will return home where perhaps baseball's best team right now, the Atlanta Braves, will be uh, will be waiting for them. So first things first, we'll, we'll take care of the, the Phillies before returning home against Atlanta. And now well, you got Atlanta and Cincinnati right after that. Cincinnati, you know, things don't necessarily get a whole lot easier for them because now they've got kind of do a little bit of scoreboard watching here up on the schedule next for for the Reds, you've got uh, you've got the Giants, and the Giants still battling for a playoff spot as well. So you got two teams there fighting it out. I mean, if you're looking at uh, the the latest standings here, and I know it's still kind of early. We're just a little halfway through through July in that, but I mean, for for the National League, you've got uh, the Giants, who right now are the number one wild card team, but it's it's tight. You got San Francisco. Uh, Miami and Arizona, Philadelphia is just a half game out looking in. Cincinnati, two out looking in. San Diego just keeps falling here a little bit. Now they're the next closest one with the with the Cubbies at eight games behind a wild card spot right now. So, yeesh, not looking too good. Not looking good. But with the Brewers, 
continuing to win and putting themselves in a position that they are in right now, first place in the division. Hey, they're actually creeping up on getting a positive run differential, believe it or not, too. They're, they're minus eight, but they're, they're creeping to at least get a little bit of a, a positive run differential here. You know, those one to nothing victories aren't going to make a whole lot of gains there, but I guess the, the most important part here is, is, uh, is the wins and such. But uh, nonetheless, with the Brewers continuing to win, and putting themselves in that in that position that they're currently in. The question is going to get louder and louder uh, from, from fans and from people all around baseball. Will the Brewers be buyers? And I think for, for the most part, if, if you believe the reports from the national people out there, the national baseball people out there say, you know, there's been various reports out there saying that the Brewers are going to be buyers and that uh, – you know, Corbin Burns just said, I think it was on Friday, he told Adam McCauvey that uh, Matt Arnold told him that he's not getting traded. So, I, th- you know, I guess you go back to the whole arbitration thing. You know, maybe Corbin Burns is like a little bit like, okay, yeah, you know, cool, but can I trust you 100%? You know, if we need to revisit that. But uh, you have the general manager telling uh, the ace pitcher that he's not going to be trading the ace pitcher has put that out publicly already so i think we can kind of you know push that to the side but by all accounts from, from the national reports out there is that the brewers are not going to be sellers they're, they're, they're not going to be unloading on any players i guess unless something just awful happens in these next in this next week and a half or so unless something just absolutely horrendous happens where you know they just go in the tank Knock on what that doesn't happen, but I think it's it's if if you're still maybe a little hesitant on whether the Brewers are going to make buyers, it's maybe getting closer that okay they're going to be they're at least they're maybe going to dabble into it. And I think everybody kind of knows that, or at least assumes they're probably not going to be the biggest buyers out there. You know, they're not going to be involved in Otani talks. They're not going to be involved in you know Juan Soto. Hawks, if you know, if, if the Padres make him available, I know that uh, there was a report that the Angels are starting to maybe listen on Otani ones. But uh, you know, Brewers are probably most likely not going to be in those discussions, right? They're probably not going to be in those discussions. What do the Brewers need, though? I think it's pretty evident. Bullpen depth. Bullpen has been great as of late. They've been really good. They've been taxed a lot at, at certain times in this season. So they probably want a little bit more depth to just kind of solidify it. Maybe not put a lot of you know tax on some of those arms. You know, you look at last year, obviously the Josh Hader deal gets gets super hyper focused by everybody. But you look at the the players that they brought in too. You know, like the Matt Bushes of the world, uh, they didn't really work, right? They, they didn't really work. So you're looking for some more depth in that bullpen, maybe in the back end, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth inning type of guys out there to really solidify that. But they also need a bat, whether it's a corner infielder or whether it's maybe a, a guy that can fill in, you know, the DH role. And if you go, like, to MLB.com, and they've got, 
you know each team's strategy for for the trade deadline, and they've got their various beat reporters that uh, make their predictions. And for the Brewers, of course, is is uh, Adam McCulvey, and he put on there too that uh, bats and bullpen, which again, no big surprise. But when it comes to like corner infielders, who are some like realistic options out there? Like Pete Alonso, I know Brandon mentioned you know him on Friday, not saying that as a target for the Brewers, but he, he mentioned his example. It's like it's probably not going to happen. It's kind of an unrealistic uh, option out there. So who are some maybe kind of, sort of, realistic options out there? It's tough. You know, one is uh, Jameer uh, Candelario, who's with with the Nationals, and he's one that a lot of people are kind of putting up like, yeah, that guy's going to get moved. And so far this year he's hitting 260, 13 home runs, an OPS, of an 813. He's cheap for the rest of this year. You're the rest of a $5 million deal. So you're talking maybe a couple million dollars. Now he's an unrestricted free agent next year. But the other thing with him is that he just suffered a thumb injury, too. So that factors into it. How long is he going to be out? Is it something serious? Is it something that's going to have to, is it going to bother him throughout the rest of the season? But that. That's going to factor in a talks. But you look at everything out there, he's like probably the top one in, cor- in terms of a corner infielder that a lot of people are just assuming he's going to get dealt. And he's a switch hitter, which is a positive. But for me, the big thing on there, like I don't care that he's an unrestricted free agent next year and he's got a couple million dollars on there, but for me is that thumb injury now. Is that something that's going to hinder him throughout the rest of the season? Uh, possibly another guy, C.J. Cron from from the Rockies. He just got back from uh, injury just uh, just uh, was it a week or a couple weeks ago or a few games ago from uh, from the Rockies, their first baseman, and he was off to a slower start this year. But as of late, in his last fifty at bats, he's kind of picked it up, batting three hundred, slugging of a five hundred. He's gotten a couple of home runs on there. Possibly he's a veteran out there, maybe an addition there. The one guy that I haven't really seen as as somebody who's a potential trade candidate, but I don't know if the the Angels would 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 make him available. He's he hasn't been listed out there, but if the Angels are kind of in a selling mood, I think it's worth a call. It's a guy that I wanted the Brewers to target last year, and that's Brandon Drury. Now he signed with the Angels a two year deal. $17 million. So the Brewers would be on the hook for the rest of his $8.5 million salary. This year, you got 8.5 next year, which I'm sorry, I think that's manageable. But again, this year, he's hitting 277, an OPS of an 822, 14 home runs. Plays a lot at second, can play over at third base too. I wanted this guy last year for the Brewers by the deadline. Didn't happen. Angels signed him in the offseason. I wanted him in the offseason for the Brewers to sign him. He's putting up good numbers again this year, quietly for the Angels. So if the Angels are kind of in a selling mode, I I, I, I think it's worth a phone call. Be like, hey, what's it going to take? What, what's the asking price for, for this guy? I've been kind of enamored with him for the last couple of weeks, so... I wouldn't be wouldn't be upset if he was acquired. 
The other one, now this one is a little dicey. He's been listed as potential trade candidate, but I think his team is currently just two games out of a wild card spot. And we know the Brewers have had interest in him in the past. And that's Currents, Boston Red Sox, Justin Turner. Now, Justin Turner is 38 years old. He's going to be 39 later on this year. Primarily a DH at, at, at this point in time of his career. He's got a uh, salary this year of $8.3 million, so the Brewers would have to pay the rest of that, which isn't too bad. And then a player option next year for, uh, looks like maybe 13.4, but there's a that, that option contains a $6.7 million buyout. But Turner, even with his age, the guy is still putting up some solid numbers. He's still putting up some solid numbers. So far this year, Justin Turner, 291, 14 home runs, an OPS of an 836, on-base percentage of 362. The guy is essentially hitting, his numbers are the same as what he's been doing throughout his career. This year he's hitting 291. He's a career 289. His on-base this year is a 362. He's a career 365. OPS, 836. He's a career 832. And you look at his last 57. Heck, you look at his last 117 at-bats. Justin Turner's last 117 at-bats. 359. 359 on base of a 412, slugging 615. But... Again, the the caveat to this is that Boston's only a couple games out. They're only a couple games out of a wild card spot. So would they necessarily want to unload him if they're still in a position to get into the postseason? That's the question. Now, when you bring in Turner, you're probably thinking more of a DH role. But would that be an upgrade over a Jesse Winker right now? I'd say so. But if you're looking at schedule for Boston, you're like, okay, maybe you're like, okay, I would love Justin Turner to be on the Brewers. Let's hope for, for Boston to kind of go in a in a slump here. Well, their upcoming schedule, they've got the A's, who just got swept by the Twinnies over the weekend. After that, you got the Mets and maybe a do or die series for, for the Mets on, you know, season defining series. And then then next week, Braves take on or the Red Sox take on the Braves. And they got the Giants. So might be a thump, something a little bit closer to the trade deadline there. But would you be good with, with Turner? Or are you like, ah, that age, no thanks. But he's still putting up numbers. He's still putting up numbers. DH role. But the other part of it too is like, how much is it going to cost? That's that's the thing, right? Like how much or, or what's the asking price for, for some of these guys? You still got teams. I mean, you look at the, the standings. You know, National League-wise. Atlanta, Dodgers, Milwaukee, all division leaders. Then you got San Francisco, Miami, and Arizona currently in the wild card spots. Philadelphia, outside looking in, probably looking to be buyers. Cincinnati, two games out. Yeah, right now, I mean, they're still in it. They're not giving up. San Diego is such a weird one out there that 
you know, there's some talk. Could they actually move Juan Soto? Are they going to do a little bit of reset? Or are they going to try to, you know, stand pat? How much are they going to be sellers? Cody Bellinger has been listed as a potential trade candidate with the Cubbies. They're eight games back. The Mets, eight and a half back. Are they going to unload on anybody? Then in the AL, it's it's a little bit different. Boston and New York are just two games out. But Yankees have been listed as potential buyers for a lot of players out there. Boston's kind of the unknown at this point. Seattle's five games out. We're mentioning the mentioning the Angels. Angels currently six games out of a wild card spot. Are they gonna get are they gonna be sellers? I mean if they if they decide that they're gonna trade Otani, I gotta imagine that they're probably gonna be willing to move on on a couple other players, maybe besides Mike Trout. But how many teams are actually going to be willing to be sellers at this point? Still got a lot of time to figure it out, but I don't know. Those were just kind of I was I was looking at some names as like some potential targets out there and realistic targets and those were the four that I I instantly you know kind of drew to there's going to be a couple other ones I'm sure that'll pop up here and there as we get a little bit closer and closer to the to the deadline but my number one pick and I don't I haven't seen him listed as a potential trade candidate really anywhere but it would be Brandon Drury and then after that again Justin Turner do you fork over a little bit for him and put him at that DH spot. Maybe you can get a couple reps over there at the hot corner with him. What do you think? Still putting up numbers, even for his age. But hey, Brewers are putting themselves in this position to to you know first place, ten games over five hundred. They're twenty and nine against their division. They're looking like they're on the path to getting back to the postseason right now. Anything can happen when you get to that postseason, right? I'm feeling good. I'm I'm pumped about this Brewers team. It's gone in waves. It's gone in frustration stuff. But isn't that baseball, right? I think right now you've recency effects. Seeing how they played right before the All-Star break, taking two out of three against Cincinnati. Then they come back and sweep the, the Reds. Your level of, level of enthusiasm with this team. I'm pretty pumped about him right now, especially if that, you know, what we saw from Corbin on Friday. If that's what we're going to see throughout the rest of the year, I mean, I don't expect him to go out there and strike out 13 batters every time and not allow a single run. I mean, that would be awesome. Freddie Peralta, we talked about him as a guy in the second half that has to, you know, pick it up. He did it in game one. Can he continue to do that? And then you factor in Brandon Woodruff's going to be coming back here. Christian Yelich looks like he picked up where he left off got to be a fairly high optimism for, for this team. World Series? Maybe not. Postseason? Yeah. Postseason? And let's see what, what happens. Summertime is a busy and expensive season. Get-togethers, vacations, road trips, cookouts, which also means lots of shopping for supplies. So why not make your shopping easier and cheaper on your pocketbook this summer so that you can enjoy it more? Seems like a no-brainer, right? But where do you go? Hy-Vee! From the best prices in the produce area to the best selection in the meat department in a huge wine and spirits area, Hy-Vee has you covered for this summer. Make Hy-Vee your go-to summer stock-up store and enjoy your summer this year. 
With all the running around you've been doing so far to Little League games and quick weekend road trips, are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle? Where do you start, though, since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life? Well, take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Family-owned and operated, you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go. Having a proper vehicle to get you to those Little League games and family get-togethers is important, and Toys and Ford knows that just visit toys and ford today what's up everybody welcome to this episode of the man cave podcast presented by our good friends from high v and toys and ford i'm your host dan casper as always appreciate you tuning in if this is your first time welcome if you are a regular well appreciate you coming back a couple of uh, housekeeping notes don't forget to be a friend tell a friend follow and subscribe to the man cave podcast give it a good rating and review but also tell your friends and family and kids and grandparents to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast and give it a five-star review, five-star rating, and a positive review, I should have said. So just a couple of housekeeping notes there. On this episode, we're going to kind of kick off training camp season for the Green and Gold, taking a look at uh, the different positions and kind of previewing each position for the Packers as they get set to start training camp here in just about a week and a half from this recording of this podcast. But we lead things off talking some baseball and the Milwaukee Brewers. Fantastic weekend for the Brew Crew. Picking up the sweep over the Cincinnati Reds, back in first place. In the division by two games, 10 games over 500. Burnsy looks like Burnsy, 13 Ks. Freddie Peralta, perhaps one of his best starter, one of his best starts so far this season. The bullpen was on fire this weekend, not allowing a single run. Yelich picking back up where he left off right before the All Star break. Couple of home runs in this series against the Reds. Yelich is. He's kind of had the Reds number throughout uh, his career. But four hits, two home runs for Yelich. Back to that bullpen here quickly. They pitched nine in the third innings and only gave up one hit, two walks, 13 strikeouts, and zero earned runs. All that leading to uh, 10 games over 500 right now, 52 total wins for the Brewers, as we mentioned, now up two over the Cincinnati Reds in the division. Brewers have the off day today before... Another quick road trip, this time against the Philadelphia Phillies, and then they will return home where perhaps baseball's best team right now, the Atlanta Braves, will be uh, will be waiting for them. So first things first, we'll, we'll take care of the, the Phillies before returning home against Atlanta. And now well, you got Atlanta and Cincinnati right after that. Cincinnati, you know, things don't necessarily get a whole lot easier for them because now they've got kind of do a little bit of scoreboard watching here up on the schedule next for for the Reds, you've got uh, you've got the Giants, and the Giants still battling for a playoff spot as well. So you got two teams there fighting it out. I mean, if you're looking at uh, the the latest standings here, and I know it's still kind of early. We're just a little halfway through through July and that, but I mean, for for the National League, you've got uh, the Giants, who right now are the number one wild card team, but it's it's tight. You got San Francisco. Uh, Miami and Arizona, Philadelphia is just a half game out looking in. Cincinnati, two out looking in. San Diego just keeps falling here a little bit. Now they're the next closest one with the with the Cubbies at eight games behind a wild card spot right now. So, yeesh, not looking too good. Not looking good. But with the Brewers, 
continuing to win and putting themselves in a position that they are in right now, first place in the division. Hey, they're actually creeping up on getting a positive run differential, believe it or not, too. They're, they're minus eight, but they're they're creeping to at least get a little bit of a, a positive run differential here. You know, those one to nothing victories aren't going to make a whole lot of gains there, but I guess the, the most important part here is is uh, is the wins and such. But uh, nonetheless, with the Brewers continuing to win and putting themselves in that in that position that they're currently in, the question is going to get louder and louder uh, from from fans and from people all around baseball. Will the Brewers be buyers? And I think for for the most part, if if you believe the reports from the national people out there, the national baseball people out there say, you know, there's been various reports out there saying that the Brewers are going to be buyers and that, uh, you know, Corbin Burns just said, I think it was on Friday, he told Adam McCauvey that uh, Matt Arnold told him that he's not getting traded. So, I you know, I guess you go back to the whole arbitration thing. You know, maybe Corbin Burns is like a little bit like, okay, yeah, you know, cool, but can I trust you 100%? You know, if we need to revisit that. But uh, you have the general manager telling the, the ace pitcher that he's not going to be trading. The ace pitcher has put that out publicly already. So I think we can kind of, you know, push that to the side. But by all accounts from, from the national reports out there is that the Brewers are not going to be sellers. They're, they're, they're not going to be unloading on any players. I guess unless something just awful happens in these next in this next week and a half or so. Unless something just absolutely horrendous happens where, you know, they just go in the tank. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But I think it's, it's if, if you're still maybe a little hesitant on whether the Brewers are going to make buyers, it's maybe getting closer that, okay, they're going to be, they're at least, they're maybe going to dabble into it. And I think everybody kind of knows that, or at least assumes, they're probably not going to be the biggest buyers out there. You know they're not going to be involved in Otani talks. They're not going to be involved in you know Juan Soto talks. If you know if if the Padres make him available, I know that uh, there was a report that the Angels are starting to maybe listen on Otani ones. But uh, you know Brewers are probably most likely not going to be in those discussions. Right, they're probably not going to be in those discussions. What do the Brewers need, though? I think it's pretty evident. Bullpen depth. Bullpen has been great as of late. They've been really good. They've been taxed a lot at, at certain times in this season. So they probably want a little bit more depth to just kind of solidify it. Maybe not put a lot of you know tax in some of those arms. You know, you look at last year. Obviously, the Josh Hader deal. Gets gets super hyper focused by everybody, but you look at the the players that they brought in too, you know, like the Matt Bushes of the world. Uh, they didn't really work, right? They, they didn't really work. So you're looking for some more depth in that bullpen, maybe in the back end, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth inning type of guys out there to really solidify that. But they also need a bat, whether it's a corner infielder. Or whether it's maybe a, a guy that can fill in, you know, the DH role. And if you go like to MLB.com, and they've got, 
you know each team's strategy for for the trade deadline, and they've got their various beat reporters that uh, make their predictions. And for the Brewers, of course, is is uh, Adam McCulvey, and he put on there too that uh, bats and bullpen, which again, no big surprise. But when it comes to like corner infielders, who are some like realistic options out there? Like Pete Alonso, I know Brandon mentioned you know him on Friday, not saying that as a target for the Brewers, but he, he mentioned his example. It's like it's probably not going to happen. It's kind of an unrealistic uh, option out there. So who are some maybe kind of, sort of, realistic options out there? It's tough. You know, one is uh, Jameer uh, Candelario, who's with with the Nationals, and he's one that a lot of people are kind of putting up, like, yeah, that guy's going to get moved. And so far this year he's hitting 260, 13 home runs, and OPS – of an 813. He's cheap for the rest of this year. You're the rest of a $5 million deal. So you're talking maybe a couple million dollars. Now he's an unrestricted free agent next year. But the other thing with him is that he just suffered a thumb injury, too. So that factors into it. How long is he going to be out? Is it something serious? Is it something that's going to have to, is it going to bother him throughout the rest of the season? But that. That's going to factor in a talks. But you look at everything out there. He's like probably the top one in cor- in terms of a corner infielder that a lot of people are just assuming he's going to get dealt. And he's a switch hitter, which is a positive. But for me, the big thing on there, like I don't care that he's an unrestricted free agent next year and he's got a couple million dollars on there. But for me, is that thumb injury now? Is that something that's going to hinder him throughout the rest of the season? Uh, possibly another guy, C.J. Cron from from the Rockies. He just got back from uh, injury just uh, just uh, was it a week or a couple weeks ago or a few games ago from uh, from the Rockies, their first baseman, and he was off to a slower start this year. But as of late, in his last fifty at bats, he's kind of picked it up, batting three hundred, slugging of a five hundred. He's gotten a couple of home runs on there. Possibly he's a veteran out there, maybe an addition there. The one guy that I haven't really seen as as somebody who's a potential trade candidate, but I don't know if the the Angels would 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 make him available. He's he hasn't been listed out there, but if the Angels are kind of in a selling mood, I think it's worth a call. It's a guy that I wanted the Brewers to target last year, and that's Brandon Drury. Now he signed with the Angels a two year deal. $17 million. So the Brewers would be on the hook for the rest of his $8.5 million salary. This year, you got 8.5 next year, which I'm sorry, I think that's manageable. But again, this year, he's hitting 277, an OPS of an 822, 14 home runs. Plays a lot at second, can play over at third base too. I wanted this guy last year for the Brewers by the deadline. Didn't happen. Angels signed him in the offseason. I wanted him in the offseason for the Brewers to sign him. He's putting up good numbers again this year, quietly for the Angels. So if the Angels are kind of in a selling mode, I I, I, I think it's worth a phone call. Be like, hey, what's it going to take? What, what's the asking price for, for this guy? I've been kind of enamored with him for the last couple of weeks, so... I wouldn't be wouldn't be upset if he was acquired. The other one 
Now, this one is a little dicey. He's been listed as potential trade candidate, but I think his team is currently just two games out of a wild card spot. And we know the Brewers have had interest in him in the past. And that's current Boston Red Sox, Justin Turner. Now, Justin Turner is 38 years old. He's going to be 39 later on this year. Primarily a DH at, at, at this point in time of his career. He's got a uh, salary this year of $8.3 million, so the Brewers would have to pay the rest of that, which isn't too bad. And then a player option next year for, uh, looks like maybe 13.4, but there's a that, that option contains a $6.7 million buyout. But Turner, even with his age, the guy is still putting up some solid numbers. He's still putting up some solid numbers. So far this year, Justin Turner, 291, 14 home runs, an OPS of an 836, on-base percentage of 362. The guy is essentially hitting, his numbers are the same as what he's been doing throughout his career. This year he's hitting 291. He's a career 289. His on-base this year is a 362. He's a career 365. OPS, 836. He's a career 832. And you look at his last 57. Heck, you look at his last 117 at-bats. Justin Turner's last 117 at-bats. 359. 359 on base of a 412, slugging 615. But... Again, the the caveat to this is that Boston's only a couple games out. They're only a couple games out of a wild card spot. So would they necessarily want to unload him if they're still in a position to get into the postseason? That's the question. Now, when you bring in Turner, you're probably thinking more of a DH role. But would that be an upgrade over a Jesse Winker right now? I'd say so. But if you're looking at schedule for Boston, you're like, okay, maybe you're like, okay, I would love Justin Turner to be on the Brewers. Let's hope for for Boston to kind of go in a in a slump here. Well, their upcoming schedule, they've got the A's, who just got swept by the Twinnies over the weekend. After that, you got the Mets and maybe a do or die series for, for the Mets on, you know, season defining series. And then then next week, Braves take on or the Red Sox take on the Braves. And they got the Giants. So might be a thump, something a little bit closer to the trade deadline there. But would you be good with, with Turner? Or are you like, ah, that age, no thanks. But he's still putting up numbers. He's still putting up numbers. DH rule. But the other part, too, is like, how much is it going to cost? That's that's the thing, right? Like, how much or, or what's the asking price for, for some of these guys? You still got teams. I mean, you look at the, the standings. You know, National League-wise. Atlanta, Dodgers, Milwaukee, all division leaders. Then you got San Francisco, Miami, and Arizona currently in the wild card spots. Philadelphia, outside looking in, probably looking to be buyers. Cincinnati, two games out. Yeah, right now, I mean, they're still in it. They're not giving up. San Diego is such a weird one out there that 
you know, there's some talk. Could they actually move Juan Soto? Are they going to do a little bit of reset? Or are they going to try to, you know, stand pat? How much are they going to be sellers? Cody Bellinger has been listed as a potential trade candidate with the Cubbies. They're eight games back. The Mets, eight and a half back. Are they going to unload on anybody? Then in the AL, it's it's a little bit different. Boston and New York are just two games out. But Yankees have been listed as potential buyers for a lot of players out there. Boston's kind of the unknown at this point. Seattle's five games out. We're mentioning the mentioning the Angels. Angels currently six games out of a wild card spot. Are they gonna get are they gonna be sellers? I mean if they if they decide that they're gonna trade Otani, I gotta imagine that they're probably gonna be willing to move on on a couple other players, maybe besides Mike Trout. But how many teams are actually going to be willing to be sellers at this point? Still got a lot of time to figure it out, but I don't know. Those were just kind of I was I was looking at some names as like some potential targets out there and realistic targets, and those were the four that I I instantly you know kind of drew to. I'm, there's going to be a couple other ones I'm sure that'll pop up here and there as we get a little bit closer and closer to the to the deadline. But my number one pick, and I don't I haven't seen him listed as a potential trade candidate really anywhere, but it would be Brandon Drury, and then. After that, again, Justin Turner. Do you fork over a little bit for him and put him at that DH spot? Maybe you can get a couple reps over there at the hot corner with him. What do you think? Still putting up numbers, even for his age. But, hey, Brewers are putting themselves in this position to, to, you know, first place, 10 games over five hundred. They're 20-9 and nine against their division. They're looking like they're on the path to getting back to the postseason right now. Anything can happen when you get to that postseason, right? I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm pumped about this Bruce team. It's gone in waves. It's gone in frustration stuff. But isn't that baseball, right? I think right now you've recency effects. Seeing how they played right before the All-Star break, taking two out of three against Cincinnati. Then they come back and sweep the, the Reds. Your level of, level of enthusiasm with this team, I'm pretty pumped about them right now. Especially if that you know what we saw from Corbin on Friday. If that's what we're going to see throughout the rest of the year, I mean, I don't expect him to go out there and strike out 13 batters every time and not allow a single run. I mean, that'd be awesome. Freddie Peralta, we talked about him as a guy in the second half that has to you know pick it up. He did it in game one. Can he continue to do that? And then you factor in Brandon Woodruff's going to be coming back here. Christian Yelich looks like he picked up where he left off. It's got to be a fairly high optimism for, for this team. World Series, maybe not. Postseason, yeah. Postseason, and let's see what, what happens. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast couple of quick reminders for you don't forget to follow and subscribe to the man cave podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like apple spotify google stitcher amazon or wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can leave us a voice message whether it's a comment analysis or a question for a question and answer segment just get that link in the podcast description also 
don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.